Welcome to the Winner's Circle with Taya Sloan and Derek Pang. Let's go, hero. All right, we dancing, Tribe. Welcome back to the Winner's Circle, everybody. I'm so stoked to be back with another amazing guest. It's super excited to hear his story and how he came about where he is now. Our goal with this podcast is to expose you guys to people who are real world and they are winning. And what winning looks like is following your heart, listening to that calling, even if it might be against the traditional career model. Um, I think it's very important that we start to realize that we can really create the life that we want and do what we want and not feeling like we should do this or have to do this just to be successful. So I'm super excited to hear this lovely guy's story. Derek, if you'd please introduce him. Absolutely, Taiha. I'm stoked for this conversation. Former NFL center who played for the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, now an entrepreneur, author, and speaker. After eight years in the NFL, Joe donated most of his belongings to the Metropolitan Ministries of Tampa Bay and lived out of his custom cargo van for two years as he explored the United States with his rescue dog, Freedom. He's currently writing a book on his adventures and has a new podcast called Quantum Coffee, which will be dropping soon. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Hawley. Thanks for having me, guys. What an intro. That just kind of brought back a lot of memories of that van trip with my dog. I mean, what a journey indeed. Mm. Mm. And we're excited to get into that journey. Um, right off the bat, we like to start with this question. And we feel um, this is a question we should all be considering if we don't already know. And that is, what is your mission, Joe Hawley? What are you here to do in this reality plane? Oh, man. Yeah, I think um, one thing I'm learning about purpose um, is that it's very fluid. It's constantly changing. Um, in this moment, I feel very called to help uh, former athletes, my brothers, um, with their transition. So I'm actually working on building an online community called The Heart Collective that's going to bring uh, former male professional athletes together um, to help support each other, building a, self con a safe container where we can express ourselves with one another um, to hopefully make a bigger impact off the field than we did on it. Um, and that's what I'm currently working on building that. And and the book and, you know, sharing my journey, one of my big taglines of my blog and of my journey over the last couple of years has been live with less so you can experience more, um, you know, this, this minimalist lifestyle, this, this idea that, you know, we live in such a consumer based um, society and culture and, and we just, we're trying to fill that void that we all have uh, deep within our hearts with stuff. And what I've learned is no matter how much you have, um, that void is never going to get filled unless you um, look inward and, and fill it from within yourself um, by doing the inner work and finding out what really sets your soul on fire. And so that's definitely the journey I'm on and um, continue to be on and just continuing to try and grow and learn as much as I can. Yeah, I love that so much. I think we have, as a society, a very distorted view of what success looks like and what happiness looks like and what fulfillment looks like. And we've 
never, I mean, in school, I was never taught that comes from within, you know, I was taught that you go to school, you go to more school, you get a job and then you work forever and you have a family. But, you know, it's, it's, that's how they've kept us in this type of system and not really tapping into that power that we literally have everything that we search for in the external world inside of us. And as we start to realize that we don't need very much in the external world. In fact, for me, the more I'm finding that within myself, the more I'm feeling comfortable with like getting rid of clothes that I've hoarded for like three years. I'm like, I haven't worn this in three years. Why am I still holding on to it? Um, but yeah, I think no matter if you have or you don't have things, it doesn't matter when you have that love and fulfillment within you um, and practicing that unattachment to those material things, to the physicalness around us um, is so, so powerful because what we really have forever is just us, right? And all the other stuff could be gone at any moment. Yeah, and your life could completely change. Um, I think that's a big lesson that I've been working through is the non-attachment um, and constantly trying to practice that with everything um and even going deeper not even just the the physical manifestation of possessions but attachment to thoughts attachment to relationships attachments to stories of who we think we are and what we're supposed to be and you know to uncover these stories you know like you know it starts with the stories of who you think you are and then as you dive deeper down the layers of the the, the onion, so to speak, is you get down to these societal stories of what it means to be successful. For me, what it means to be a man, what it means to show up as a leader. I mean, all these things are, you know, you have to figure it out for yourself. And, and you know, only way to find it is by questioning the stories of who you think you are. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a fascinating journey, for sure. Yeah, that's so funny that you use that onion metaphor because I use that all the time with every single day I'm like really digging into these like things that I've taken on as truth when I'm starting to realize that literally since I was born since we were all born we were told that we were these things and that these things made us who we are you know I'm a daughter I'm a engineer I'm a whatever and that's really not anything that we are like that's what we have learned to think that that's our worth that's where we've come from but it's really so much more than that and as you said like peeling back and releasing that and practicing that unattachment um is so powerful because you start to realize that no matter what happens in the external world or you know within you like you always can come back to that that you were born with, which was just that place of infinite love. Yeah. Yeah. That journey, it's a fascinating journey, this human experience. Cause when we're born, we're born totally free. We don't have, there's no separation, right? We're, we're almost even attached to our mother who gave birth to us and our parents and culture has to teach us separation, right? Like when we, you know, learning what things are and labeling them. Like, let's say you see a tree, like you don't know what a tree is. It's just is until your mom's like, that's a tree. And they have to teach you separation for you to have an experience in this reality, because without separation, there would be no experience. And the journey 
back to oneness, back to wholeness, back to worthiness and, and self-fulfillment is to like kind of deconstruct all those stories and all that separation that you had to create in order to have the experience. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's a wild journey and I don't understand. I'm still trying to figure out what the whole point of it all is. <laughs> uh, you know, I, what I've gotten to after all this work and inner work and reading all the spiritual texts and really trying to dive deep. I mean, this is really what my podcast is about um, is about these like deeper unanswerable question is like, what's the purpose? What's the point? And the thing that I keep coming back to is it's just to have the experience, mm-hmm. like to have had the experience of having had been, which is like, it takes away all the pressure. It really makes it like, why not just enjoy the experience of being alive? There's really nowhere to be. There's nothing to do. Now it's an intricate game. It's really fun. If you want it to be fun, it can be hard at times. It can be challenging, but it is all an experience and that's the gift is to be able to have the experience because if we didn't exist then there would be no experience to be had and labeling it is what creates suffering yeah it's so crazy like we are here taking it all so seriously and like that is like there's a reason for that you know logical side of our brain um as you said like we need to be able to function this reality Um, but it's interesting to think about like, you know, if you raised a kid with all this knowing and, and tried to like teach them that from that age, like what kind of world would they be living in? Just because, you know, what we experience is a creation of our thoughts. Like, it's just really interesting to me to imagine like what that would be like. Um, because for me, I was, I literally was the opposite of spiritual for a while. I was super right, uh, left-brained um engineer like thought i was atheist for a while and and it's there's so much going on that we just like can't see right like this this physical reality is one percent of what's going on here it's insane um what do we really know right and i think it's fascinating you're talking about like educating our children and i i've dealt with this with my sister who has kids who has a lot of issues with the way And I've worked through a lot of resistance of the way I was raised with my parents. And I I see people who are like, I'll never treat my kids the way my parents treated me. But what I'm learning and what I'm realizing is it doesn't really matter what you teach your kids or how you think you're raising them. They're going to have to go through their own hero's journey. And they're going to, you know, even if a, a parents shower their kids with love and gifts and everything, then they're too entitled. Right. And then they're mad at their parents for having given them everything and never really challenged them to make their own life for themselves or, they're really distanced parents and they're not, they're not really present in their kid's life. And then the kid's like, well, my parents are never around. And then that creates a story. So it's all about, I mean, I don't think it really, there's really one right way or wrong way. I think it's all the lessons that we came here to learn. And I think the way, the way we can really treat the youth and the kids is by treating them like humans, right. And, And allowing them space to have their experience and teaching them emotional intelligence and presence, which, you know, you look down the rabbit hole of the system that we're in and the education system and how flawed it is and how there's really, they don't teach us about money, which is one of the main things that makes this reality tick, which is, it blows my mind and every story around money and the energy of it. And they don't teach us about, you know, emotional intelligence and how to process what comes up within us. And those two things are really like what every adult deals with. So I just don't understand the, the whole education system. I think that needs to be revamped 
um, along with a lot of other things. But I think we're <laughs> in that kind of journey of transition, right? I think there's big things happening in the world. And I'm, I tell myself every day, what a time to be alive. Because I truly believe we live in the, the most amazing time in human history. And there is this huge shift happening globally um, in the world. And over the next couple of decades, um, it's going to be a wild ride. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I know we're all feeling that so hard. And I just wanted to touch really quick on what you said about, you know, so many of us are searching for that purpose. Like, why are we here? What are we doing? And it's so beautiful that you said, like, just having this experience is the purpose because we're so focused on getting getting there some someday I'll get to my purpose, I'll figure it out. But we're missing so much of what's going on right in front of us. And then we look back on it and realize, you know, how much we learned through every single thing that we tried and did. And that that evolving of our consciousness through each experience that we have is our purpose it's to learn it's to grow it's to expand um and and the more we can practice that focusing in the moment and and not letting future past steal from this moment um the more i think we will we will just be at peace you know <laughs> yeah and the more i'm learning about purpose and this connection of, of how we are all interconnected in some fascinating way that is just incomprehensible to my linear thinking mind is when you show up with a heart of service, wanting to offer yourself up for the betterment of others, there's some higher intelligence, higher power, however you want to make sense of it, that is there to support you. And, you know, there's this this idea that we need to, to force things to get things done and to create, and it's gotta be hard. But if you really show up for the right reasons with a full heart and, and doing the, the work to feel complete and you're not doing it for external validation or stuff, and you're really showing up to be of service to others, there is a, some kind of a force that is there to support you and will bring in the right either connections, the right people, um, the right scenarios and events and experiences that will guide you along the way. Yeah. Absolutely. And from my experience, this begins with awareness. And with awareness comes choice. And with that choice comes opportunity for great change. When did this awareness begin in you? As a lifelong athlete, um, not most athletes from my perspective, and Taiha and I being athletes ourselves, um, have this worldview. When did this awakening come for you or was this something you've always been had with you yeah um i think deep down i've um looking back on my life now i've always had this kind of knowing um i always felt a little bit like a little bit like a wiser kid i've always like had this this joy about me this essence um you know not until probably i started really focusing on the practices like meditation and reading and expanding my mind and my knowledge base did I really tap into what all that meant uh, I grew up in a Christian household it's very you know in the, in the Hippocratical dogmatic belief systems of Christianity and it left me with a lot of questions um, I always felt like there was some kind of creator I was never atheist I always had believed that there's something out there but just this idea of a man in the sky that was just shameful and judgmental 
just never really made sense to me. And so I went on this path seeking my own truth. Um, and I think it was about my fourth or fifth year in the NFL, I was just bogged down by stress and anxiety. And it was just really hard. It's a really hard sport physically and mentally and emotionally to show up and perform at such a high level. And in growing up in a Christian uh, household, I was always taught that meditation was Eastern mysticism and it was a way for Satan to infiltrate your mind. And so I always had a lot of resistance to that. I mean, I had this story in my mind that would play out and it wasn't until these two uh, mindset coaches came in and they taught us that meditation could be used as a, a tool to train the mind. And it was not necessarily a spiritual practice, but it could be just a practice to gain clarity, handle your stress. And when it was introduced to me in this way, I really thought it would be powerful to try. Obviously that journey um, was a long one. Uh, I think anybody who has their own meditation practice realizes how difficult a thing is to sit in silence, especially in the world that we live in. Um, but that meditation practice really opened my mind. And then once I started reading more, um, learning more, um, and then reading different spiritual texts and trying to seek the truth through my own experience rather than believing what somebody else experience, you know, and someone else has to tell me, um, really opened up my mind. And I just, I decided to go learn for myself. And, you know, it's one thing I've learned through, you know, the, the big difference between religion and, and spirituality is religion is the belief in somebody else's experience and spirituality is the belief in your own experience. And through this inner work, um, this deep knowing, uh, work with psychedelics as well, and understanding this deep connection with you know, source, universe, you know, I used to have a lot of resistance to the word God because of the belief system that I grew up in. Um, I've been able to come full circle on that. I used to have a lot of resistance to the Bible and Jesus story because of the way it was used to um, create fear um, and control. And so now that I've done all this work, I've gone full circle and done some more um, learning about Jesus, you know, as the mystical kind of way shower that he is. Uh, he's got a lot of truth in his teachings and a lot of power and and it's really beautiful to reconnect with all these stories but it, it's it's not an easy journey and it takes a lot of contemplation and deep um, looking in the mirror and questioning the stories of what we're taught as children you know from our parents from our peers from society and um, yeah it's been quite the journey I know I kind of talked about a lot there but. no that's good um it's just continuing to blow my mind how each podcast that we record is literally exactly like we talk about exactly what I'm experiencing. Like it's crazy. I've just started reading this book called the complete works by Florence Shin. And just like you, I went to an all girls Episcopalian middle school and that gave me a very negative connotation of Christianity because they were very controlling and, um, trying to put me in a box and I just didn't like it. And so I also had a very, like a problem with the Bible, I think just because of, you know, ways that people have interpreted it. I think over years and years, the message has gotten misinterpreted so many times where it's now this like controlling, like I'm right, you're wrong kind of thing in some places. But if you get down to like the actual messages and you, you know, realize that this god this divinity is within every single one of us like we literally all came from the same place we were expanded into this universe and then evolved into what we are now we all have that power within us and 
we have been taught like, you know, ask these experts, like you don't know everything, ask Google, ask whatever, search outwardly for the answers where we literally have all of the answers inside of us. We just aren't tapped into that power or trusting ourselves. So we can't trust the uh, tap into that power. So I personally have been doing my best to like, try not to Google things and try not to watch things that could sway my, my view on something. And even like, you know, questioning things that I've felt were my truth, my whole life. I'm like, where did that even come from? Like, you know, the, my, the way that I view love or a successful relationship literally probably came from watching movies, you know, like we have no idea what, because we were told what to believe our whole lives. So the more that we can kind of do things that make us turn inward like meditation um, and learn how to be okay with our thoughts, which is crazy because so much, I don't know if this has been taught by the society to, to not feel comfortable with your thoughts or if that's just something we have decided not to want to do as a society. But the more that you get in tune with that, you start like tapping into that power and feeling it and realizing what's true for you and what's not. Um, but I totally understand the like hump of getting started because I definitely took a while getting started for meditation. Like I would do it once or twice a week. And I was like really frustrated with myself because I couldn't even do it for five minutes twice a week. Like, come on, there's so many minutes in a day. And I like, that's just how so many people kind of react to it. It's like not worth my time, you know, but we we're very dedicated as a society to working on our physical bodies. Why aren't we being taught that we need to do that with our minds from ages like zero, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a good way to frame it is uh, it's, it's, it's like working out your mind. It's, it's like going to the gym for your mind. And I think that one of the difficult things that a lot of people struggle with, I know I did with meditation is you don't, you don't see the benefits right away. It's not something you do. And then you're like, boom, I'm, I'm better. I'm more connected. I'm more present. It's something that you have to commit to for, for an extended period of time, like at least a week straight of five minutes a day. And then, you know, for me personally, it was like, I, I was really committed to helping because I had such an acute, stressful environment that I really wanted it to help me. So I'm grateful for that because it made me stick with meditation. And I was reading the books and seeing the neuroscience fMRI scans were coming out about people's brains. And I was really worried about the brain trauma from a sport like football. And so I wanted to be proactive. And so all of these things created this desire to stick with it. And I didn't really notice the benefits until I would meditate for a couple of weeks and then I would miss it for three, four or five days and other things started getting in the way. And I would start noticing myself getting more anxious, more off center, more, you know, angry at things and more like off, off key. And I was like, well, what's the difference? Why am I feeling so agitated? And it's like, Oh, I haven't meditated in four or five days. And then I would get back on it and it would take three or four days to get back into it. But realizing, I think, and another thing with people in meditation is realizing that we are not our thoughts, right? The thoughts are come from the mind or whatever it creates this existence, but the thoughts are not who we are. And I think meditation gives you space and allows you to see the silence in between the thoughts and detaching from the thoughts, I think is the biggest step to, um, 
you know, realizing who you are on a deeper level, which is very difficult because so many people are so in their heads, right? So they're, they're so attached to their thoughts as those are who they are. And when you realize like if somebody cuts you off in the freeway, for example, and you get angry at that person, meditation allows you to create space where that it doesn't judge that anger, like that anger is there, but you are not that anger. And so you can allow that energy to flow through you rather than attaching to it and then creating a story around it that you're angry at that person when, you know, the difference between me getting cut off now or I used to get cut off, get a little angry. Now someone cuts me off. It does not even phase me because mm -hmm. I can see a detached story that maybe they're in a hurry. Maybe they got something going on. And I think that overlaps to a lot of different areas in our life and why meditation is such a, such a huge tool, such a powerful tool. And it is, it's a very difficult one to start. I, I definitely understand that, but it opens you up and in ways that are just like we talked about the onion earlier that like the, the layers are infinite and meditation is a practice where you can use visualization. Um, you can connect with just silence. You can use guided meditations. You can use music. Um, there's just so many different ways to open up the mind to this, this oneness, this connection. Yeah. It's if anybody has not tried it yet, I know that all of us have the ability to do anything for five to 10 minutes for seven days in a row. Like don't, you don't need to set like a goal of 30 days. If you've never done it before, you want to set an attainable goal for yourself, but literally just do it for seven days and then reevaluate, see how it makes you feel at the end. And if you don't do it for the seven days, that's fine. But it's just about getting that ball rolling and seeing what could be possible because you haven't even, you know, exposed yourself to that kind of thing yet. It's, it's the hardest part getting started. Um, you Hold also off for one more thing on that yeah. is, is this idea that, you know, creating space for meditation, like even, even taking it a step further down is, is, you know, meditation is just bringing awareness into the present moment. So even just one conscious breath, like, mm -hmm. like that's a meditation and that's all it takes to start. I think if you take at least one conscious breath a day, it creates momentum and using different things that you do every day to connect with the moment like let's say every time you get into your car you take one conscious breath and the more you do that with different things let's say you get in the shower you take one conscious breath and you do these throughout life meditation doesn't become an activity where you're on your cushion you know really trying to connect in just those five minutes but it becomes a practice that you bring with you throughout life and just remember it's all about trying to become more present and so don't create this like rigid I need to sit down and do this thing, but really just try and bring more awareness into your life. It makes it a little bit less uh, intimidating. Yes, 100%. I think a lot of people have this like vision of a monk on a cushion and, you know, somewhere with nobody around meditating. And that's not what it is. It's, it's a state of being, you know, it's that state of being present with yourself and what's going on in your reality at that moment. And um, you, you said, something about, you know, how it creates that space for you in not only in the moment that if you are sitting on your cushion, but it's about how much it translates into every single thing that you do. Like the more that you are able to allow the thoughts to be there, cause they're going to come, that's not going to ever stop. <laughs> but realizing that, whoa, I have this automatic thought that every time I walk in my house. I just get mad because I hate where I live or whatever, you know, that's an automatic thought. But once you build that awareness by creating that space, by creating that presence, 
realizing that that's a thought that has just been going and running and controlling your life. Because when you think that, that's what you experience. But once you gain that spaciousness and awareness that that's happening, you can take the back seat and realize, wow, I am literally creating this for myself. And you can choose to redirect or rewire and then start creating what you actually want to experience. For example, when you um, were getting mad before about the, you know, road rage is a huge problem. Um, like you can choose to not la allow your thoughts to go down that road of like getting upset because you know, you have no idea what's going on with this person. Like they're not trying to make you mad. Like that's not their goal. So why, why allow that to happen and, and possibly ruin your day? You know, you have the ability to just watch the melodrama from the back seat that is our lives and, and just kind of look at it humorously, which is what I've been trying to do because for a lot of my life, I've taken things very seriously and been very intense and there's just so much that we can just kind of laugh at because of the way that we are automatically function a lot of the time. Um, and, and it's very empowering to know that you have the ability to change that if you want to. Absolutely. Yeah. It's fascinating. I realize, you, you know, like next time you go to a public place, like a, like a mall or a, I don't know where else. I mean, I guess you can't really go to these places now, but next time you're in public with like other people, just look around. I love doing this. Like I remember when I was in the van traveling, I was walking down New York city, just how busy it is. And you just look at people and you can just see the stories playing out in their minds. Like you don't know what the story is, but you can see they're lost in their thoughts. Mm -hmm. They're constantly thinking. And, and when you realize like everybody else, they're, they're not really worried about you. They're worried about themselves and their own story that they're lost in. And you can just stop mm -hmm. taking everything so personally. Um, it's really, it's a really first good step to really finding sovereignty in yourself. Absolutely. So every person, they're continuously on a hero's journey. And you've been on a few that I want to talk to. But you mentioned one that I'm really curious about. And that is your two years in the van. Um, what was your call to adventure? What made you think of that idea? And how did you step past the number one thing that hold people back on saying yes to that call, fear, and doing it? Yeah. Um, so I think the call was like a slow, a slow buildup. I was playing football, um, you know, my seventh, I played eight years. So like the end of my seventh year, I wasn't sure if I wanted to play again. Um, you know, my eighth year, I knew it was my last year. I just felt, I felt this call to, to move on from football. Um, for some reason, it was just deep within my soul. I was, I was burnt out. I was broke down. And I think, um, a bigger part of that call was, was being in a, in a relationship that I was engaged at the time that was not serving me. And I had this moment where I decided I did not want to settle for, for something less than I knew I, I deserved. And I could have probably been happy, but I think there would always have been that little deep call if I, if I wouldn't have answered it, digging, digging at me and um, leaving that relationship and walking away from football. I'm, I know that, you know, the first few weeks, first couple months, um, you know, it was hard. There's a lot of grief. Um, There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of sadness. I felt this little physical void in my heart missing. And that was, um, you know, part of the reason I ended up buying the van and rescuing the dog, I wanted to go experience this world for myself, figure out who I was without the game of football and what my identity was. Um, 
and so that was that was definitely the call and and I think the reason I was able to to answer that was because of all of the times I've trusted my heart before and it's as difficult as it is in the time that it happens like whether it's something bad or a big transition or you know I got cut from the Falcons and and was on the streets for a while trying to figure out what I was going to do before I got hired by Tampa um, every time I transitioned from a, one team to the next level for going from high school to college, college to getting drafted, um, was this, this stepping into the unknown. And so I was definitely had this experience of trusting the universe and stepping into the unknown and kind of overcoming that fear. And I think leaning on those examples in our lives of things that I feel like always the thing that was like scary or unknown or uncertain and I trust it and go for it. it always ends up being the best experience of my life. And I always learn something deeper about who I am and what I'm capable of. And um, that was no different with, with the whole leaving football. It was definitely a bigger step. And now I'd realized I got to really find fulfillment in life. And, you know, going back to your original question about purpose is, you know, a lot of us spend our whole lives trying to create a comfortable life and create a comfort zone. But where we really find fulfillment and purpose is walking the line of what's uncomfortable and what's unknown. Cause if we build a comfort zone that's around us, it might feel good for a little while, but it's going to end up suffocating us because there's never going to be growth. There's never going to be challenge. And we need that resistance in order to grow. And as human beings, as souls on this earth, we are here to learn and grow. And I think that's why a lot of people, you know, they, in our society, it's like, the whole idea of the American dream is to work until you're 65, retire, and then like live on a beach somewhere, which is like totally unrealistic. And for me, I mean, I retired, quote unquote, retired when I was 29. And I'm telling you, like, and I have enough money to live probably the rest of my life if I took really good care of it without having to do anything. But that's not a life worth living. It's not about find, trying to make enough money so you can go live on a beach somewhere because after a couple of weeks, you're going to be bored as hell it's really about finding deeper fulfillment and challenging yourself to become a better version of who you think you are and what you even think you're capable of and that's back to you know doing the the questioning the stories like a lot of us have these self-limiting beliefs about who we are and what we're capable of and even questioning those stories and where those come from and we all have them and I have some pretty big ones I'm working through now to step up you know and the things I want to create next like writing this book you know, there's just the hero journey doesn't ever stop. You're just continuing to challenge yourself and push yourself. But that's really the gift of life, really. Beautiful. A beautiful opportunity. Yeah. Going back to what you said about, you know, our purpose as a species, like we are here to experience, we are here to grow, to expand, to learn. And as you said, if like, I'm pretty sure we can all agree that the parts of our lives that were more difficult or scary or challenging was where we grew the most, right? You can grow a little bit um, when things are fun and dandy, not saying that the challenges aren't fun, but um, you know, we need those challenging experiences and to push ourselves into that faith, right? You talked about, you know, the uncertain, the times most uncertain, the most scared always turned out to be the best experiences. And I'm learning the exact same thing. Like every time that I've taken a leap of without knowing that it was going to work out, you know, I've, I've been finding 
that if you do that, if you take the leap, but you have something that, you know, is to, you know, you know, you're safe, you know, it's a, it's not big of a risk because you know, you're going to be fine. That's not an action where you're showing the universe that you fullest in its support of you. But when you take that leap of faith without knowing, this is like, dang, she really is trusting that we got her. So we're going to have her. But I think most people don't, don't understand that we are always supported. It is going to be okay. We are going to have that support and learn the lessons that we need to learn, which a lot of the time, you know, aren't what we would like to learn at that moment because they're challenging. But so we we usually look back on our experiences and are thankful for the ones that are really hard. So it's not like, you know, when you take this leap of faith, it's going to be rainbows and butterflies each time, but you're all learn what you need to learn from the experience. I think most people who, you know, our audience who are, are wanting some, they're doing the call and they just, need a little bit more trust in themselves and the universe to to take that step like you are going to be supported no matter what you're going to be okay and once you learn that you in yourself and the universe to take these steps you will build more and more evidence you can just continue taking risks throughout your life and creating stuff that you even would have known would be possible had you not taken those risks and comforts that we are told is secure and stable. It's, it's so crazy to me how like, I feel I've been taught and most of us have been taught at growing up is just, it's flipping around now. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah, I truly believe that those who are courageous enough to go towards their fears and head into the unknown are in store for the best experience they could ever ask for. And it's, it's scary. It's scary feeling untethered to reality, but you will, you are supported and the universe does reward those who are courageous enough to go after what their hearts are calling. Yes, absolutely. So on this path, on this journey, you've met many mentors, many helpers, be it in the form of books, coaches, teammates, Let's take a moment to acknowledge some of those mentors and helpers that made a notable impact in your life. And what did you learn from them? Oh man, too many to name. Mm -hmm. Definitely a lot of coaches. I'm really grateful for football, for, for all the lessons it's provided. Um, you know, in context of the van, um, I think one that comes out is, is, is this is kind of, we're just talking about the universe providing support when you need it. Um, you know, I was getting the van ready. There was this buffer period between like two and three months between my last game and me hitting the road in March. And, you know, I was trying to learn, I, I was a lot of resistance to sharing myself on social media. Even when I played football, I didn't post a lot. And then I, I wanted to do this blog and start this YouTube channel and create videos and share the experience. I felt like it was kind of my responsibility to share this experience that I got gifted to live because most people don't have this opportunity. And so I felt really called to share it, um, but I just didn't know how to do it. And I ended up following this guy who's, uh, who's pretty big time. He doesn't have social media anymore. He had a whole journey with it, but that was 
couple years ago, he's this Marine that was very popular. Um, he had a few hundred thousand followers and for some reason, Oh, I think it was, I was going through my breakup and he had just gone through a breakup too. And he was really vocal about his breakup and not settling and stepping up and finding your queen and like loving the woman for, and like her loving you. And there's just this really powerful message. And my sister followed her, followed him. And she's like, you got to watch this guy. And so I ended up following him and then he ended up seeing that I followed him or something. And he ended up connecting with me and he ended up driving through Tampa like a month before I was sitting the road. And for some reason he like came over and he's like, what's up? We connected for like, he stayed at my house for like three or four days. And he's, um, you know, a content creator. He knew how to build a community on social media and his name's tank machine. So if anybody follows him, um, and he just, he really like gave me the confidence and showed me a lot of like little tips and tricks for being on the road. Cause he traveled a lot for what he was doing, um, on the road. So it's like pretty much the universe gifted me with this guy that had been going through a similar experience a couple of years before. And it was just this like reminder of like, you got this man, like you're, you're supported. And that is just such a random thing. But now he's like one of my good buddies. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, just things like that. There's a bunch of people I've met on the road um, and different synchronicities that have happened. But that one definitely stands out in context of the van. I, I think it's so beautiful when we start to tune in to, you know, you can choose to look at certain things, coincidences, or, you know, just by chance I met this person. But if you start to, like, think hard about everything and every person that you have interacted with and, like, how each little piece you or, like, to get to where you are or giving you certain information that you needed at that certain perfect time. Like it's crazy how, when we're on this path, when we are living in alignment with who we know ourselves to be as best as we can, because again, we're pulling back the layers always. We're learning more and more about who we actually aren't and unlearning and then relearning maybe. But the more that we do that, I feel these we're drawing people to us, you know, we're drawing the exact person and relationship that we need to learn because we are one yet we have these interactions with each other so we can get that different lens, right? Because we are all experiencing a different experience with our lens and when we connect with people and hear their side, we, we are opened and expanded because now we have their lens as well. And it's just, oh, it's so cool. Synchronicities, man, everywhere. <laughs> what a beautiful reminder. <clears throat> so uh, um, I'm all, while we're talking about mentors uh, and helpers, I'd love to hear um, your number one lesson you learned from your football days. Oh, number one lesson. I would say, okay, the, the, the most powerful lesson was the first lesson I ever learned on the football field. And it's, you know, I can probably attribute my entire, all the success in my career back to this in my freshman year of high school, probably a couple of weeks in. And um, I was hitting this sled and the coach was showing us how to do it. And I did, you know, I came off the ball, hit the sled and I kind of like turned it the wrong way. And then, you know, the coach coached me up and then he's like, all right, go again. And so hut went, hit the pad again. And I did the exact same thing twice. And he, he stopped us all. He circled us up. He said, guys, if you want to be successful in football and really in anything you 
you want to do in life, you have to be coachable. And what he meant by that is don't make the same mistake twice. And he said, there's, there's no problem with making a mistake. There's no problem with failing, with messing something up. But if you can't fix it and you can't learn from it, then you're not going to make it very far in football. You're definitely not going to make it far in life. And I think that that really stuck with me because um, it, it gives you the freedom to really go hard and play hard and not be fearful of making a mistake but being able to take coaching and absorb it and learn and then become a better version of yourself. And I think that, you know, I'm getting into the business world now and trying to learn as much as I can in that aspect. And with life in general is, you know, this concept of fail fast, learn fast. And we have this bad idea of what failure actually is. And I think the only way you can really fail is if you quit. I think failing is the only way you can really learn. And people are so, you know, scared of failing and what that looks like, but you're never going to really learn who you are and what you're capable of. If you don't put yourself out there in the first place, you know, I think anybody who's been success or has found success, you know, there's so much access to all these successful people's stories and the way Instagram, you can get behind the scenes and, you know, everybody, everybody, like the, the most successful people in the world have probably failed more than anybody else. That's the reason they're the most successful. And I really connect with that. Yeah, it's so true how, um, I think it was the Tom, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, right? And he invented a bunch of ways not to not to create it before he created it, right? And it's, it's funny how, you know, we, as we get older, we know this, but I think as a society in the education system, there's just been something flawed that so many of us have this negative connotation of failure, um, when, you know, we should be embracing, like excited when we fail, because that means we're trying, you know, we, we are going for something that we want. And if you fail, you learn how not to get there. And that's okay. I know personally, I wrestled in high school, did judo, and I learned five billion times more when I lost than when I won, you know, and that's just not really, you know, we, we equate success with winning. What if we started equating it more with, you know, failing a bunch and then you, you're just getting closer and closer to what you, you want to create. So interesting. <laughs> so Joe, what has been your biggest challenge you've encountered on your life path thus far and how do you overcome it and the lessons learned? Hmm. I would say uh, biggest challenge, probably this, this fear I've had of, of unworthiness, this, this story I've had of unworthiness. Um, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book right now and it's really allowing me to dive deeper into the stories of who I am and, and, why I attach to football so much. And I think it's because um, when I realized I could be good at it, I started getting love and attention and I started attributing my worthiness with success and, uh, and performance on the field. And when I would do really good and perform really well, I got all the love. I felt like I was worthy of love. I got more attention and it really reinforced that story. And when I would lose a game or I would, I would have a bad game, I felt like really like 
like not even worth living at times. Like I felt so shitty about who I was. And so my life story was so wrapped around this idea of success on the field. And that was part of the reason there was such a deep void when it was, you know, I finally walked away from it. I, I didn't have this measuring stick of who I was and what I was capable of. And it was really debilitating. Like I didn't, I didn't know who I was or, or what, what to do. And, um, you know, doing all this self work and this journey after, after football and, and finding out who I was and, and looking inward for my worthiness, I've, I've learned a lot. And, um, intrinsically I've, I've just understood that, you know, I am love. I am, I'm worthy of love just by being, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been quite the journey, um, overcoming that. And I think that's something that a lot of people deal with. I think everybody has that shared experience. Um, yeah. So beautiful. It's what it reminded me of when you were explaining, you know, just leaving the NFL. Cause I think this, this goes along with so many, especially athletes or Olympians, you know, they're, that's your whole life and what you've based your whole life on this this sport that you love but but when gone it's like ripping off a band-aid right it's like this was what you were was your reality and what you your whole being was based on and then it's just like dang that that kind of security blanket of who you are that identity was just gone and that's like you know a lot of people don't have that experience where they they are thrust in the total opposite side of that spectrum, you know, like I, I didn't do any pro uh, a- athletics. So like, that's not the kind of experience that I had as intensely in sh- such a short amount of time. But I think a lot of people can relate to attaching their worth to the results that they produce, right? Whether that be your career, the company that you start, your successful marriage, whatever it is, like, that's just what we have been taught since we were little. But again, going back to the first thing we talked about, which is that non-attachment. It's not saying that, you know, don't ever go for your dreams and try to create this company or go for this beautiful marriage, but don't be attached to that being your world, right? Because as we said, like anything can be gone in a minute. If you had, you know, gotten injured or something and then you were out in that sense like some people don't have a choice and they have to understand that that is a complement to their being it's not their entire being and I think as more and more people start to awaken start to realize that and and know that they're worthy no matter what just existing is proving that they are worthy of love and attention and connection and all of that. Um, I think that's what we're kind of all here to do is help, help awaken that feeling within everybody. Absolutely. So um, after two years on the road, what made you realize that it's time to settle down in Colorado and begin your new journey? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's it was quite the process. I traveled around the country for for six months, um, and then it kind of came to a close. It was more of this road trip um, experience, and I realized I had to figure out 
what to do next. Well, I couldn't do that forever. And I told myself I was headed back east. I was in the West Coast after traveling for six months. I told myself if I found, I was in an older van that was um, not very that, not really that comfortable. And so I told myself if I found a new van that was more comfortable, I'd hit the road again. Ended up finding a Sprinter van that was a lot more comfortable, especially for how big I am. So I ended up hitting the road again for another six to eight months. And, you know, while I was doing it, I was the whole time I was questioning, like, what's my bigger purpose here? Like, what am I, what am I supposed to be doing? I have a platform. Um, you know, I shared about earlier about starting the, the blog cause I felt kind of called to it and responsible to share the experience. And, you know, I didn't realize how big an impact it would have. And, you know, I started gathering a community of people that were really inspired by what I was doing. And, I realized that I had this platform to really make an impact um, by sharing my story and by, by, by living it out and by sharing it. And I just didn't know how to put that to good use. Um, I always knew I wanted to be involved in business. And I think the idea of creating something out of nothing is really fascinating to me. Um, just like having a kid, you know, you like create this human being out of nothing. Like the idea that you can create and birth a company out of nothing, just an idea and, and manifest it into a physical reality is something that really feel called to. Um, same with the book. So, you know, share, I always knew I wanted to share my experience. So I'm, I'm writing a book about the experience transitioning from football into the van life and traveling the country. Um, and then I'm also working on building an online community. I don't know if I already shared this, but I'm building an online community uh, called the Heart Collective for former male professional athletes to um, create a safe container for them um, to help in their transition process and hopefully uh, bring them together um, to have a bigger impact off the field than they ever did on it. Awesome. So could you tell us more about this, the Heart Collective and how you uh, intend on getting through to these athletes who have been taught a very rigid ideology on what it is to be an athlete, what it is to be a man, an alpha male. Um, and now we're going to be talking to them. Okay, let, look, let's look inside. Let's love. Let's sit and breathe. Um, how do you intend on um, sharing the message with them in a way that they can be receptive to? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I'm going, that I want to build is provide community um, and support. I think one of the things I realized is being done playing football is it is such a jarring experience um, with purpose and identity and losing that. Um, I felt very alone and isolated and I was grateful enough to, to be one of the, the select few that was able to walk away on my own terms. I know a lot of these athletes, it's taken from them before they're ready. So I think creating a safe container for us to teach each other and support each other. Um, I don't think it, it's, it's such a unique experience um, making it to the pinnacle of one of the toughest sports in the world um, for normal people to relate, you know, and if you're struggling with that kind of transition, it's hard to go to like a therapist or a coach or someone who hasn't, doesn't know what you're going through. So I think the biggest thing is to provide the container for guys to support one another and just, there's so, so much power in just being heard and being seen from somebody that understands what you're going through. And, you know, my vision is for these guys to be able to connect, hold a, hold space and, you know, express vulnerably how they're feeling and where they're at in a safe container in a safe space, because, you know, in our society, they're, they're leaders, they're looked up to their role models, um, you know, not even just athletes, but, you know, masculinity in general is like, 
this idea that you need to be strong, you can't show emotion. And I think rethinking that and building a safe container for guys to show up and be able to really express how they're feeling truly and what they're going through um, is going to be a huge piece of it. Obviously, I want to incorporate a lot of the education tools and um, the self-development tools. That's going to be a big piece of it. Um, but it's going to be definitely an exclusive community of guys that want to better themselves. They want to master themselves that have this deeper calling, knowing that they're meant for something more than just sports. And the cool thing that really gets me excited is to make it to the NFL or to any major professional sport, you have to have a special kind of makeup, special kind of character, special kind of mindset to push yourself through self-limiting beliefs, through doubts, through physical pain and agony for a goal that's larger than yourself. And I think reminding these guys that they are very special human beings capable of doing such good things in this world, especially if we can come together and, and collaborate and create um, amazing things. That's really the big vision of, of what I have in mind um, is giving these guys, empowering these guys to make a big difference in their own lives and their community and in the world by bringing them together and um, supporting them. That is such a beautiful vision. And I can just see you and just your being and being able to bring out this side of these people who, who may never have felt comfortable, you know, expressing emotion, being vulnerable. That's such a crucial part of our human existence. As you talked about earlier, you know, the emotion is our energy and we have cut ourselves off from that through this, that we've been taught to live um, you know, don't cry, don't, don't be a baby, don't be mad. Like those are the emotions. And once we learn how to harness them and use them in productive ways and release them when they need to be released and not repress them so they get stuck in our body and manifest as other problems. Oh my gosh, that is going to be such a powerful guys. And I'm stoked for it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited. And I'm, I'm, I'm working on overcoming my own self-limiting beliefs to build this thing, right? It's not something that is easy. It's, it's, it's creating its own hero's journey within me to, to show up and answer this call um, because there is a lot of fear of stepping up as a leader with such powerful men. And it's, it's the work I've been you know, facing over the last year is, is really questioning the stories of worthiness to show up in this way. And um, I've come a long way and I'm really excited about helping other men show up in this way as well. Yeah. And it's so cool how, you know, expressing this type of fear, which is pretty much what every person, no matter how successful or whatever, whatever they've accomplished, everybody has limiting beliefs. And I think a lot of people put people who are creating on pedestals and think, Oh, you know, they are never scared. That's not true. Like everybody is scared, but it's all about, you know, addressing that, understanding where it comes from, releasing what doesn't need to be there any longer, and, you know, taking action in spite of fear while you know that you are always supported. And I can just, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to see what happens with that. So one of my favorite authors, Stephen Pressfold, he describes resistance as that negative force in the world that keeps people from fulfilling their dreams. And that resistance arises moment after moment, day after day. You will never be able to shake resistance. And it's something we're constantly having to bring awareness to and not letting it overtake us. How do you overcome resistance 
in your podcast creation, in your book creation, in your heart collective creation? How do you overcome resistance daily? Yeah, I think it, one of the most powerful things I've done with resistance and fear is reframing it as not a negative, but as a positive. And I believe resistance is the compass that is directing us towards our life's purpose and our dreams and our goals. And so many people turn away from the things they're scared of. But I believe that those things that we're scared of are our soul's calling. And life isn't supposed to be easy. The thing that scares you the most is where you're supposed to be headed. And I think if you can view it like that, it takes a lot of courage. But I think when you head towards the things that scare you the most and you can knock them off the list and you can become totally free. And that's where inner freedom resides is once you can conquer all these fears and you'll be able to find your, your innermost uh, path of what you're here to do. And um, yeah, I would say resistance is the compass for me. And as soon as I overcome one thing, it's like you continue to, to step outside your comfort zone. Absolutely. Um, faith for me has a big part in that. How do you attend to your faith and keep that faith alive? Yeah. Oh, um, you know, I think faith is belief in our own experience and, you know, there's this idea in, in the Christian faith that, you know, I think is very flawed. I think faith is very flawed. It's like this blind faith where you don't ever question. You just believe what you're told. But I think when you, what real faith is, is the belief in your own experience and trusting your path. And, you know, it's almost like a knowing. And I think once you start experiencing synchronicities and this, this, this something that is deeply ingrained in this reality that is, is kind of, you got to surrender to the flow of what is happening. I think that's this, this, once you understand and, and you have your own experience of it, and I think everybody has their own experience. If it is going to church and experiencing that experience, that connection, that's, that's great. But it's, you know, there's a difference between someone who has blind faith, doesn't question anything and just goes with it or someone who really believes in their own knowing and their own experience. And you have to get out in life and live it to, to, to earn that faith. Right. That's not something that's, you know, just every, everybody has like, but when you, when you're courageous enough to step outside your comfort zone, to answer the call, you earn the right to have a faith and a trust in the universe as a whole. And, um, I definitely agree with you. Like I lean on that and I trust it. And I just, I surrender into what I'm being called to do. And it scares the shit out of me every day. Um, and some days are better than others. Some days I'm connected to the flow and I feel like I'm creating openly and without restriction. And then some days I'm so bogged down by fear that I just have to, to go inward and sit with it and move that energy. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, faith is a huge piece of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's, it's so, it, that's such a good point about, you know, faith has a certain way to look at it. There's when you genuinely trust and you don't question. And that's, again, that's for that out, outside, that external validation where you can latch onto that. Whereas you start listening to your body, listening to that gut feeling, that intuition, you're all animals and we have this animal instinct before, but we've totally been trained out of listening to it because of what, you know, what kind of lives we live. And once you start listening to that, you know, we can do experiments where 
you try the trust within yourself again and and build that trust that you have this inner knowing so that you can continue to follow that and know your heart that you know is for me or this is not for me this person is has faith in that but that's not mine and and you can just start to really use your own discernment and trust yourself over anybody else because as we talked about earlier like we literally all have all of the answers within us and it's just time that we start listening once you start listening you can start discovering what that might mean for you it's just that we have been really quieting ourselves for so long you mentioned earlier joe um that psychedelics had a part in this um awakening and this this knowing can you talk a bit about us the the role psychedelics has played uh, in your journey yeah um i think i always had this this fear of psychedelics um because of these horror stories about you know bad trips and meeting demons and like all these 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 crazy things and um what i learned in the more research i did i did it you know you know kind of socially i ate some mushrooms um probably i don't know five or six years ago i tried lsd in these social like kind of music settings and it, it did shift my perspective on reality it gave me a different understanding like a different layer um and it wasn't until i you know sat down and drank uh, ayahuasca um, i've done nine ceremonies with that medicine and the reason i decided to um you know go down that path is because i did a lot of research and i learned about the power it has to rewire our brains and the research they're doing on psychedelics now, um, creating new neural pathways, um, you know, cause like we talked about throughout this whole podcast is our reality, what we live and the perception that we, the lens in, in which we view reality is all um, a culmination of stories. And these stories are created and create neural pathways in our brains. And when we stick to these stories rigidly, they create deeper and deeper grooves. And it's, you know, what, same with habits. You know, we, we live in these, these kind of sleepwalk through life with these habits that we don't even question. Um, and the power of psychedelics is, is it, it can, on a physiological level, rewire your brain so you can, it helps um, clear some of these, you know, these self-limiting beliefs and these habits that we create. And it's been very powerful for me in that way. Um, ayahuasca has also you know, created this, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. It's got its own kind of awareness and consciousness. It's like working with the plants and this plant consciousness. And it's literally like connecting to a different plane, a different um, dimensional reality. And it's really hard to even make sense with our linear minds. Um, but when you go into that space, it really allows you to connect with something that's so much larger than, ourselves and our ego minds and the stories that we create and fabricate and what's real in this reality and i think that's the biggest shift that's happening in this world is us questioning the stories um you know we were born into these systems that aren't very they, they haven't even been around very long mm -hmm. and you know with the, the way human history is most of us i mean we all evolved from these tribes that lived off the land and we live in these, these cities and this system. And it's just connecting with those psychedelics and those plants, uh, the plant medicines really connect you back to something that's so much more um, primal 
and yeah. um, questioning the, the stories. And I think that's it's a powerful medicine. I feel like um, it's going to really help help save the planet and help people question the stories of, of what is possible. And it really helps a lot of creative minds um, see things in a different way. Um, so the plants are definitely our allies is what I'm coming to realize. 100%. So um, you talked a bit about earlier about relationships, um, how the end of a relationship set you on that van path. And Ty, how I talked about at the start of the podcast, how often we're taught what a relationship supposed to look like from like movies and sitcoms. Um, so on that subject, what does love mean to you, Joe, today? And what have you learned about relationships from then to now? How has that changed? Oh man, that's a whole couple hours in itself. Uh, <laughs> I'll try and summarize from my experience. Um, I think a big problem with the way our culture portrays love is this it's more attachment it's desire it's this codependency it's this idea that i am incomplete and i need another to complete me and i think that's a totally false way to look at it and it leads it might be very strong passionate at first but it always leads to a lot of problems a lot of cycles a lot of our deep stories and conditioning plays out in these these you know, unconscious cycles in relationships and people wonder why the divorce rate's so high. It's it's because what I've realized is you, nobody can complete you. There's not, you know, there might be soul connections. I totally believe that there's special people in your life. There's deep, deep connection and love, but in order to fully show up for somebody else's, you have to find love for yourself in every aspect fully for you to find love in another and you can only love another to the extent that you love yourself as well. And if, you, if, you, if you're not fully complete or you haven't done the work on yourself, then you're going to project all your stories onto the other. And they cannot, like nobody else can live with the, the stories that you're projecting on them. And they're, they're, nobody's perfect, right? And if you have this, I think I've, I've been talking about this recently as well as this, the, the, the cancer that is pornography and this story that it creates this objectifying women and it, it disconnects. I know I've dealt with this is disconnects me from this connection of what a relationship is. And I think we really need to find, um, you know, honor the other person, but not expect them to complete us. I think once we find fullness in ourselves and love within ourselves, in my experience, um, you know, it's like the law of attraction. Once I can fully radiate and be present and love myself, then I can love another and the right partner will show up. I truly believe that. Yes, so true. And um, I think it's so important to realize that relationships, especially, but just life in general, everything that's happening externally is a reflection of what's happening internally of your your being and so you know whatever you are seeing in whatever issue is going on in the relationship it's always any trigger is like an opportunity for you to learn what's going on inside of you and what needs to heal and all of that and i think you know we're we we tend to blame in relationships and just in general like the external world for what's happening when literally 
everything that's going on is for us to discover more of what's going on and who we are inside of ourselves. And as you said, if you are not in like the place that you are in with yourself is going to be what that relationship replicates. So if you aren't loving yourself, then the relationship isn't going to be able to be at its highest, you know, effectiveness, efficiency. I don't know, (laughs) like highest, highest state of being with the relationship because you know, you, you aren't at your highest state of being. And so the more that you can cultivate that love within yourself and, and really step into your own power, as we talked about before with the synchronicities, you're going to draw that right person to you. I think a lot of our society thinks, you know, we got to go out and get, we got to work hard, we got to do this, you know, but really if you were living in alignment and focusing inwardly, stuff is going to come to you effortlessly. That's what I'm learning. Like it's just going to happen without you pushing. And and like, if you're pushing and working so hard in a, in a sense, I feel like you're in that lack mindset, you know, you're like, I don't have this and I need to get that. So I need to work hard and do all these things. Whereas manifestation is literally living into those emotions, knowing that you can have, and you already do have all that you desire. It's just learning to be in that space. And it's beautiful to know that, you know, you will draw that right person to you um, when you are in that space with yourself. Hmm. Joe, what is working really, what is really working for you right now? What is really working for me? That's a very broad question. Um, I would say, I'm really getting into the work of Adi Ashanti. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he's a spiritual teacher from the West um, who followed Zen Buddhism for, I think, 15 years. But he uh, teaches from this non-dualistic point of view. He wrote a really powerful book about the Jesus's teachings um, from a non-dual view, which is amazing. It's called Resurrecting Jesus. And reading his work, you know, I have, I've had a really good meditation practice for five or six years now that um, has gotten me very far, but, you know, he, he introduced this concept of um, contemplation, which has really changed everything for me. And it's like we talked about earlier in this podcast is, is questioning everything. And I really love that because I feel like the more I think I know And the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know anything. And I think anybody who thinks they have the answers or know what this reality even is or means, um, they're full of shit because (laughs) it is, uh, it's a wild thing. And I think questioning everything, like it's one thing to sit in silence and it's a great start to start to bring awareness to your thoughts in your mind and realizing you are not those thoughts will give you a lot of space but then really questioning the stories, um, the deep stories about society and culture and what we're meant to believe um, has been really powerful for me. And it's brought in my practice um, of understanding myself and this reality a lot deeper. Beautiful. And what is not working well for you right now? And how are you in the process of discarding that? What is not working well for me right now? Um, I'm still dealing with, and I think this is a lifelong journey of, um, of, of worry, of, of overwhelm, um, 
of unworthiness of thinking I'm, I'm not going to be able to um, do the things that I'm being called to do or I envision. Um, and I think the way I deal with that is, is remind myself that it's, it's all just a game and, you know, I don't, I don't need to do any of it. None of it really matters. Um, but it is a game and why not, why not play it in the biggest way possible and try and make the biggest difference and go after amazing big things and dream big because the only thing that's really getting in the way of that is fear. And I think once we can become fearless, anything is possible. And I just, I love challenging that. And it's a lot at times and some days are harder than others. Some days flow, like I talked about earlier, but um, yeah, I think showing up each day, putting one foot in front of the other and, and just dreaming big. Um, it's the only way to live. Oh, I love that so much. Yes. Beautiful. So as we move toward the close, um, through all this journey, all this adventure, what has been the greatest life lesson that you'd leave to leave, you'd like to leave for our audience? Your greatest number one life lesson that you'd like to leave to our audience, your readers, your on the blog, in your book, on your podcast. What is the number one that is with you right now? On the other side of fear lies freedom. Mm. Beautiful. And Taiha has um, a quick closing question as do I that we ask every guest. So Taiha, go for it. Okay. In three words or phrase, how would you describe the experience that you are having on this earth? Oh. <laughs> oh. Perpetual state of gratitude. Mm. <laughs> beautiful and my question for you uh, we're going to play around with time we're going to get all funky with time and we're going to fast forward to 85 year old Joe Hawley who is that 85 year old what is that legacy you've left behind oh I think I think the biggest gift that anybody can offer another is presence and so I would hope that you know, at 85, I just continue to practice presence with wherever I'm at, whoever I'm with, um, and just totally loving the moment that I get to experience in that, in that moment. Beautiful. Excellent. And so we have to fast forward and bring us back to the now, the present moment. And that 85-year-old Joel Hawley, I want you to picture him in your head. What message does he send back to the current day, Joe? Yeah. I feel that it's so powerful. Oh, mm. um, keep going, dream bigger. You're just getting started. Mm, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, Joe. We are blessed for this time you made for us in your day. They could find you on Instagram at joe.holly, your blog, manvanblog.com. You have your podcast, Quantum Coffee, dropping soon. Is there anywhere else we could send them? Yeah, I think the best way to uh, follow my journey now is uh, I just started a newsletter. If you go to my Instagram, the link's in the bio. Um, that's where we're going to be all – I'm going to be releasing all my kind of good content, my story um, from now on. And then, you know, you can – if you stay in touch that way, um, I'll be announcing my book launch as well and the things I've been working on. 
Beautiful. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This was another one of the conversations that I needed exactly in this moment. Synchronicities are beautiful. I'm so grateful to have had this uh, time to connect with you. Thanks for and the opportunity, to guys. To, to close every conversation, we bring our fist in to the winner circle. Everyone's can take a spot here. So thanks, Joe. I wish you a beautiful day. Thank thanks, you guys. so much.